0: Only the second hour of our show, which features listeners' questions, is heard live from 5 to 6 p.m. every Saturday on WJR. However, both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor... Welcome aboard the Internet Advisor. Hi, I'm Foster Brown, the producer and co-host of the show, and we get got a great one lined up for you, as we always do. Today we're going to be discovering and exploring the hidden web, sometimes called the deep web, with Wendy Boswell from About.com. And Cal Carson, our Apple expert, is going to be examining El Capitan, the brand new operating system from Cupertino. All that coming up on the Internet Advisor. Don't miss a minute boy what a week we have had in technology hi this is foster brown along with gary baker our my co-host good to have you here gary
2: it's always great to be here
0: and mr Cal Carson good to have you too
2: Uh, it's so great to be back it's good good to have have you back that's right i was here last week no was i no i Uh, wasn't you were were on ice yes i was i was cooling it as (laughs) they say (laughs) hey speaking of cooling
0: it I have to start the program with an acknowledgement and uh, a big shout out to uh, one of our favorite people, Eric Dortch, who is our en- engineer. Yep. Uh, this today, he and his fiance Erin yep. Fuchic, uh, Fuchic, pardon me, have become Mister and Mrs., Eric Dorsch, congratulations to Eric and well, well, we Shout think so.
3: There. They were scheduled. That's <laughs> right.
0: Scheduled. Unless there was a runaway bride or a runaway groom, they are now officially Mr. and Mrs. In, Dorsch.
2: In this particular case, uh, you can come back to the wedding. No, if you can't. <laughs> because you got the words right. There you go. That's right. That's right. Don't, well, don't forget the bride.
0: That's right. I want to carefully mention the bride in that as well. So congratulations to them. And a big week for, boy, a lot of the uh, companies. Google released um, two of their new phones, the Nexus phones. One was by Huawei and the other by LG, and they were in the 5.2 and the 5.7 inch range. In other words, kind of like if you went to Microsoft, pardon me, Apple, it'd be like the six and the six plus. Am I right, Cal? In yeah, terms of size yeah, roughly, roughly about that same size. Yeah. but they have got the brand new operating system for Google, which is Marshmallow. And these are the phones that run. I know, isn't it? It, it almost seems silly. At this point, what are where they, they go for these-
3: N, what do you think N's going to be? It's got to be a candy or a nougat. Sweet. Oh, is it nougat? Do they? I don't do they know. know. It? I'm just, I, I'd go <laughs> with
2: nougat. Is a good one, yeah, because uh, it's a course, center. Of course, you know? more, more, most of the young kids won't even know what the heck nougat nougat I can't even you say it anymore. Be. Or a Noogie. Noogie. Is. Or yeah.
0: Noogie. <laughs> they know what a Noogie is, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was big for Google. We we sometimes, I think, lose perspective that um, uh, the uh, Android operating system is on 80% of the phones throughout the world, as right. if I'm yeah. remembering the, the, correctly. And this is like the pure version of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every Android device in the world, that 80% of uh, cell phones, for instance, is running the pristine uh, most current.
3: Well, they always take and soup it up with whatever their flavor right. of uh, yeah. have extras. Boy, whoever whoever jump, the providers happen to be. Yeah. So this
0: is like the pure version of Android and the most recent uh, release of that. And they've got a tablet with a keyboard. Uh, they also released uh, two Chromecasts, which is their little um, sticks. Uh, sticks that plug into the TV. And one is for TV and one was for audio. Was well, for streaming audio. Which you is know, I
2: really, really should look at that Chromecast one day. I actually got one for Christmas, and I have not taken it out <laughs> the box yet. <laughs> really, and I, I probably should give it give it a view or two.
0: I, I find them very handy. I have a. Um uh, a Roku stick that I use yeah, on a, a second TV in our house uh, for my grandchildren coming over, and they can watch Netflix or whatever. There, it's very, very handy to have. But this is a brand new; looks really good. Some of the interface stuff on it looks really interesting as well. And the price is, I think, still thirty-five bucks.
3: Yeah, it's really cheap. It's, it's cheap <laughs> compared to the rest. No, yeah.
2: There's, there's no ongoing fee with Chromecast. No, once you plug it in, no. you just enjoy whatever. get. I believe. Am I right, Gary? No, right.
3: uh, no, no extra cost. No extra cost yeah, involved. It, it, it might be for if you get Netflix, you have. To well, exactly. It's it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. For instance the Roku stick.
0: Right. You know, you plug the Roku stick in for the I think same thing about same thing. about 35 bucks and then well, you pay for Netflix or Hulu or whatever any else subscription service uh, of course comes. Right, exactly. So, yeah. Another big thing coming up this week this next week is going to be Microsoft. They have a big product launch coming out of New York on October the 6th and that will be um, launching. Well, New York is just where the advertising agency is. That's they're, they're true. They're still
3: located in this little Called Redmond, Redmond. That's yeah, Washington, right, Washington, on the other side of the.
0: They are country. going to be launching uh, a bunch of things. Uh, among them, two new phones as well for Lumia, their new um, uh, Windows phones, mm-hmm. and then apparently launching also the mobile, uh, Windows mobile software, which is not the same as Windows. It's like Windows 10, but for the mobile devices, right. and that's going to be uh, part of their big thing. I
2: think they're doing their wearable as well.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah. Band two is coming out, yep. and there's a thought. That Microsoft Surface Four, the next version of their uh, tablet will become other um, what would you call it Gary you have it uh, the it's a surface right? it's a surface yeah, yeah which is a surface pro it's a hybrid what no.
2: category do you put that in yeah that's a good question I
0: use it for my personal computer
2: yeah I, I see I I've always seen it more as a PC than a yeah. tab yeah,
0: yeah yeah exactly so it is much more in the hybrid category
3: yeah and in fact I'm my um, wife got a, uh, a Dell that's a two-in-one, and she probably has more tablet-like capabilities than this does.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. Gary, one more thing coming out this week, or actually is already out, and that is a brand-new credit card. And I bring that up, you know, Internet well, Advisor, why is that?
3: It's not a credit card, right? But, no. But it's the standard now that all of the credit cards are yep. moving to, and they're supposed to all be out by the 1st of October,
0: and that is with the chipset. Yep. I so. matter of fact I have one on the way. I didn't realize that I went in because my Oh, mine's, boy, I don't know how many years old, my debit card. And the magnetic stripe on it is wearing out. So I went in to get a new one, not realizing that I was getting a... I said, well, this one had the chip in it. And the uh, young woman I was dealing with at the bank said, yes, it will.
3: Well, and all of the merchants uh, are supposed to have changed over their point-of-sale intake device. Instead of swiping, you'll actually put the card in let it process and finish and mm-hmm. then pull it back out again it comes
0: up with a unique purchase number right. so uh, I forget how long, many numbers it is is 16 I uh, forget how many know, numbers I don't know yeah it comes up with a string yeah. of numbers that are completely random and only for that purchase.
3: And only for the purchase. One-time use. Now, next so, week... So, you're not going to have your credit card stolen anymore after we start using these devices across the board. Hopefully. Not all companies are using them yet.
0: Yeah. Well, but. next week, we're going to be talking with somebody who's involved in developing... Well, we hope so. We hope so. and yep. developing those terminals, and it'll help you find out more about what that means to your banking process. Coming up in just a moment, Wendy Boswell, our expert on searching. Stay tuned. Before we get any further in our program, a shout out to the folks who are behind the glass, the folks who help us with engineering and producing our program. Shannon Maley, thank you very much for being in there. And David Schwartz, thanks as well. Uh, uh, Eric (laughs) Dorsh, who is normally our engineer, is... Out doing uh, something much more important, which is getting hitched. He and his bride, Erin, are celebrating their uh, wedding vows today, and congratulations to them again. Well, I've been looking forward to this program for quite a while because uh, the subject of searching on the Internet is something that has always fascinated me. And uh, recently, the whole subject of the hidden web or the deep web is, is just as, as fascinating. And um, if you've looked at the logo that we used in advertising this show on our podcast schedule, it was of an iceberg. And there was a small percentage, about 20 some odd percent of the iceberg that is seen above the water. And the rest uh, the huge port you know, the balance of it, uh, anywhere from about 75 to 80% of it is underwater. And it's a good analogy for the internet. And, and in terms of searching, Finding things on the Internet, it is an analogy that is fitting as well. With us to talk about searching today and exploring the hidden and the deeper webs is Wendy Boswell, who is an editor at About Web Search. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, Wendy has worked closely with... the. Uh, She's been a digital consultant with a lot of Fortune 500 companies and has written for the New York Times, Intel, IBM, and IAC, a whole lot of other important people. We're glad that you could be with us today, Wendy, talking about um, the web and how to find what we really want on there. Am I accurate in that uh, iceberg analogy for what's visible and what is hidden in terms of the Internet?
4: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean... What we're talking about as far as the iceberg, the the visible web is the stuff that we can find in, you know, the standard search engine searches. Like if you look up um, what's the best pizza restaurant next to me, that's the kind of stuff you're going to find. The stuff that's kind of not as easy to find in search engine searches is called the invisible web. And it's estimated as being 500 times bigger than the surface web, the, the stuff that we're easily able to find in a routine general search engine search. So there's a lot out there that we're not necessarily seeing.
3: Wendy, who's estimating that?
4: Uh, There's quite a few different companies that keep tabs on what's out there and what's being indexed by search engines. Um, One of the uh, biggest companies that's doing this, that has been doing that's been measuring the invisible web for a long time, they're called Bright Planet. And they do a lot of research studies and uh, you know, in-depth uh investigations into what's going on with the invisible web and the, the deep
0: web. What I found interesting, I'm oh, sorry Gary, you got to No, I was
3: just wondering, you know, when I look at um who owns class A and class B and class C licenses of IP addresses, uh, you know, I, man, I just don't I just can't imagine that that it's five times the yeah. the number of uh, of um of places of content that uh, that we can see.
0: Well, it's not the matter that whether we can see it or not. I think that's the interesting point to me, Wendy, is that it's it just requires different tools to be able to see it. We would exactly. normally we would Google for something or Bing okay. for something or use one of those standard search engines, uh, even DuckDuckGo or whatever else we've got out there. This requires a little more searching, and that's what I wanted to explore with you today. Well, the hidden web. It isn't so much that you know if you watch uh, things like uh, CSI Cyber, which has caught my imagination recently. Uh, you know, there's the, the deep web or the dark web, which is where it's things Hollywood. like the, yeah, this exa- Hollywood. Yeah. this exactly. But the things like the Silk Road are down there. Am I right, yeah. Wendy? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, do need to point out that the invisible web and the deep web are actually two different things. Okay. Um, so I think I should back up and, and, and just clarify that for your listeners. Um, it's. Of course, we're hearing this on a lot of TV shows. Um, CI Cyber's one, won. I think it was on uh, House of Cards second season. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the dark web is basically a small subnetwork of the larger invisible or deep web, and it's you know you're not going to casually just happen upon right. what, what's on the dark web. It, it takes an effort to get there. Um, you can't get there just following a simple link or, or using a search engine, you know, with special secret searches or whatever. Um, you have to have a specialized browser and uh, protocols in order to access that. I mean, you're just not going to casually happen across this stuff. So, okay. Cal, you
2: um, got something is sure. it is got something Is the dark web something the average person even needs to concern themselves with?
4: No, I, I would say a, a very strong no. I mean... Um, you know, like I said, uh, you're not going to be able to get there just casually. Um, you're not going to find information there that necessarily is something that the general searcher needs to have sure. or, or needs to be looking at. Um, you know, it, it, it has somewhat of an unsavory reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from House of Cards alone, which, you know, I'm a huge fan who doesn't love Kevin Spacey, <laughs> <laughs> you'll um, I remember the storyline with a reporter looking to dig up dirt in the, on the vice president and he's contacting a hacker on the dark web to do it and you know that's one of the biggest draws why people want to get on the dark web is that there's a lot of anonymity on there that's a huge draw um, and, you know, there's the excitement of, oh, I'm going to see stuff on like, naughty things, you know, like I'm going to see, right, right. Um, you know, drugs or whatever. Um, but it's also kind of on the other hand of that, there's also, it's, it's gained quite a bit of uh, notoriety as a safe haven for people who need to share information securely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, that's Edward Snowden. I think okay, okay. everybody
0: knows that. Yeah. Now, Wendy Boswell, by the way, is our guest, and she's the editor of the About Search uh, portion of the about.com, which is a wonderful. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about that as well. But you mentioned then that there's the invisible web. Now, how is that different from, or is that is that the bigger subset?
4: Yeah, the invisible, invisible web can, can be seen as kind of the grandparents, I guess, of the dark web. The dark web is the child, and the invisible web is the parent. Okay. Um, It's much, much bigger um, than the dark web, or the deep web, whatever you, you know, the term okay. of the day. But um, you know, basically, it's called the Invisible Web because uh, these places can't be found with a simple search. Um, okay, okay. The, the, the pages are not going to be coming up, just in your general search. Um, there's a lot of different factors that surround that, but basically it boils down to technical barriers and or deliberate decisions on the part of the site owners that, to exclude their pages from engine okay. sites. For example. Um, university libraries, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they're not going to just open up their vast Database
5: of resources
4: to just anybody who wants them. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, you usually have to, you know, be a paying student, so right, you have right. to have a password or some kind of technical barrier that causes that information to not show up in certain So
0: these system. these are kind of a huge repositories of information. And Gary, what I find interesting about this is this is almost isn't it kind of what um, Arpanet was was built to help communicate these these big subsets of information? Am I right? I don't P- think so. No. When the internet was
3: formed initially? No, I, I, well, I, let's ask Wendy. Because... Yeah,
0: that's, that's all right. I'll ask you that, Wendy. I, I'm thinking of when the internet was initially established, it was to link together huge databases, I thought.
4: Yeah, basically. I mean, it, I, mean I think that's a really simplified way to look at it. Yeah. But, um, it's basically communication, just convenience. I mean, people got tired of hauling big you know books and sharing sure, of sure. information to to people clear across the country so they were like shoot you know let's link these people up so we don't have to be calling up yeah, everywhere right. so, I mean you know simple convenience
0: right you you, wanna, you don't want to bring the whole card catalog from the University of Michigan with you when you <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But, yeah. be, but nor, would be, nor would they allow other yeah. institutions
3: to look at it exactly. without permission. So yeah, exactly. I, I'm not sure that that's actually accurate. But anyway. so, but
0: but right now those same repositories exist, in the invisible web. And as you said, you would have to be a student or somebody who participated in that particular university or or had a link to that database. But that's there. That's part of the hugeness of the mm-hmm. uh, invisible net.
4: The thing is, is that not all of that information is password protected. If you know what you're doing, you can find, you can start really drilling down into, for instance, databases. Uh, database pages tend not to be indexed by search engines and so they don't necessarily show up in easy search engine searches. Mm. So if you know what you're doing you can start drilling down and really pulling up some really interesting information for example uh, Wendy Wendy
0: hang on off. a second hang on a second we'll wait for that example when we come back from our break which you're stepping into right now so hang on a second Wendy Boswell with us from about talking about searching the invisible web like to uh, take a moment to welcome the folks from our affiliates who are listening in and to thank those of you who are joining us via our podcast, which you can find by going to internetadvisor.net Sunday nights. We have both hours down there that you can download. You can also go to podcastdetroit.com, that brand new network that we're part of, and hear us there as well. We're also on SoundCloud, so all sorts of places. We are repairing, by the way, our link to iTunes, which has been... Down, and we hopefully will have that up within the week so that you can again then be served directly from iTunes, our uh, podcast. But uh, if you've been looking for it there and it hasn't been there, please take advantage of going to our homepage, internetadvisor.net. All right, we are delighted to uh, reintroduce Wendy Boswell from about.com. She's a search expert there. You may have also heard her in a whole bunch of places like uh, Pointer Online and PBS, where she's regularly quoted in uh, publications like Wired, TechSpot, and uh, Forbes. So, Wendy, thank you very much again for being with us. Now, we were uh, rudely interrupted for just a moment there. Before I want to kind of recap where we've come from. One of the things that, uh, that triggered my interest was uh, an article you wrote about the hidden net, if you will, the, the big part of the Internet in terms of volume that is out there to be searched that is hidden, be- not because... It's necessarily closed from access, but you need special um, access to, you know, like, for instance, university databases. What are some of those other things that are, if you will, locked up within that hidden net?
4: Well, you know, databases are really the biggest, the, the biggest uh, stuff that you're going to find on the invisible web. I mean, one database can have literally hundreds of thousands of pages. Um, For instance, uh, and I'm going to say, I'm a total search nerd, so most of your listeners might not do that, but I love looking through uh, .edu sites. Um, For instance, if you go to Google, which I'm assuming most of our listeners are probably familiar with Google, um, if you use Google, you can do a search string that you can only look through .edu uh, websites for any subject. So. Say you're doing a research paper on the mating habits of tortoises in the Galapagos Islands. <laughs> okay. you, can, you know, to be super specific, um, you can use uh, a first string. Um, I can just kind of spell it out. It's uh, site colon dot edu, and then put the subject you're looking in in quotes. So. Um, Go to Google and just use site, colon, dot edu, um, quote, Galapagos turtles, uh, end quote, and your search is going to only return with uh, dot edu related sites um, with that information that you uh, delineated in those quotation marks. That's one way to really, uh, you know, get those databases to work for you. Sure. Um, you know, otherwise, that, that information, that, you know, Google does a great job. They, they, oh, yeah. They're the best search engine on the planet. And, it's you know, obviously, we all use Google. We all love Google. Right. But in order for it to really pull the stuff that you're really going to want to use in research and reference papers or just, you know, a general search, um, you have to... You know, and you have to tell it exactly what you want. And that's one way to do it. And that's going okay. to pull up the invisible web resource.
3: That's a good good example yeah. of, of and, getting and it. And you still can't get to everything. Right. Right. right.
4: search engines don't—they're not—they don't—they don't, they, not, they don't, they don't uh, index the entire web. I mean, there's only so much right. that right. they're going to be pulling right. up. But I mean, you're going to see a big chunk of it. But uh, there's I'm, always more so out as there. A,
3: as the CIO for uh, for Gale in the past, former CIO. Um, you know, we built products for universities and provided uh. you know hundreds of millions of records of information mm-hmm. to them. That uh, if they allowed. Anybody that wasn 't part mm-hmm. of the university community to get to, we would be able to charge them a whole lot more. <laughs> they only paid for a license to allow their students and faculty and, and uh, people that, that had access uh, through them I, permissions to, to use that right exactly. and so there 's an yeah. awful lot of of that type of content out there
0: you know and, and mm-hmm. it 's restricted access we 're actually touching on something that's now a huge industry, which is data mining mm-hmm. am I right yeah. that, this is yeah. really what we're we're talking about right now. But you have
3: to have permission and, yes, and yeah, in course. many yeah. cases pay for it or have somebody that, like a university, pay for it for you if you happen to belong to that community. Now, they give you the username password to get into but that.
0: But I'm, I'm saying, Wendy, what I'm saying is that in, in many ways, search, which we think is kind of a simplistic type thing, has really become data mining right now.
4: Yeah, because there's just so much information right. out there that... You know, I think search engines have evolved, obviously search engines have evolved quite a bit over just the last 10 years and are trying to make searches as easy and efficient as possible, but there's Mm -hmm. still, there's limitations. I mean, we're dealing with so much information, just so much, and there's just no way to package that into an easy way. You know, for for the average searcher, right?
0: So, Wendy, I want to ask. You, I just, let's, I'm going to jump around a little bit here because you're talking about new ways of searching. In some ways, what how, could you compare Bing as a search engine to to Google? Um, how do they match yeah. up? Uh, I
4: think Bing is a uh, outstanding search engine, and I think that uh, you know Google gets most of the press, and, and most people when they're talking about search engines. They're talking about Google. I mean, let's be honest. Right, right, right. But what I've always encouraged my readers to do, and I would encourage your listeners to do this as well, is if you're searching for something, like, say, uh, you're doing a a research (laughs) paper or doing a work-related project, it's really smart to open up your search to several different search engines because not every search engine gets the same result. They Mm. all are getting different results depending on the algorithms that they use. So... You can do the same search in Google and Bing, and say, for example, DuckDuckGo or Wolfram Alpha, which is a uh, computational right. search engine, right. and you're going to get completely different results. And I think it's smart to widen mm. uh, the net, so mm. to speak. It's kind of interesting, actually.
3: And, and certainly, even if they do pull the same results, it's in many, most often, it's in different order, different priority order, because exactly. they use the different yeah. algorithms.
0: Mm, That's interesting. Very interesting. Now, I want to jump to another thing, which has become very big recently, and that is the introduction of these, if you will, search avatars, Siri, Cortana, and uh, Google's uh, Google Voice, I believe is what it's called, um, Mm -hmm. where you can you speak to your computer or tablet or whatever phone, whatever it else it is. How has that changed searching? Has it made searching better, easier? How would you rate it?
4: really done anything <laughs> um i think that uh voice activated search is cute and um, i think it obviously I, I think it's programmed for specific search queries like you know give me a pizza restaurant or give me directions to the nearest uh airport but if you give it anything more complicated than those simple searches it's going to start doing weird stuff um I mean, for example, okay, so my mom has this, and uh, she will speak very clearly to her phone and tell it what to do, and then she'll send it to me, and I have no idea what she is talking about. So, uh, I think we should backfire on you, but for really simple, you know, run-of-the-mill searches, I think it's probably a a great, convenient resource.
0: So, uh, they they brag about the fact that it's natural language, which means it's going to have to be pretty simplistic, I'm going to guess. Yeah.
4: Exactly. I mean, you know, natural language search has been around for a while, starting with Ask Jeeves back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, that blast in the past. But, you know, the thing is, is that search engines are not, I mean, we're not talking about something that's going to uh, understand the, uh, maybe the opinion behind your search or the, uh. or the shade of gray behind your search. It's going to take exactly what you were telling it whatever it's going to interpret it that as, and go for it. So if you have a cold, for example, and you're <laughs> not as clear as you should be, um, you know, Siri or Cortana or Google Voice might really come up with something different than what you intended intended.
0: But By the way, that has now been extended to these uh, remote devices that are used with TVs. I have the Xfinity X1 remote, which is lovely, has this voice search on it, except that it won't understand voice my voice at times. Exactly. Just, That's because usually you're sleepy
3: when you that. Do, uh, that yeah, may that be, be as well,
0: or have a bit of a cold or whatever it may be, but it's a bit maddening uh, yeah. as well. So that, that whole business of search has now been extended even deeper because like Roku, you can do the same thing on Roku now, uh, mm-hmm. doing voice searches, which is very handy, by the way, when it works. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. That's the key right there, when it works. <laughs> so,
0: Wendy, what are some of your favorite tools for searching. Maybe we can wrap up on that.
4: Sure. Well, you know, like I said, obviously I use Google. I mean, nine times out of ten, I'm most likely using Google to find something. Um, And there's a lot of tricks that I use on Google to find something much more easier and I use a lot of search strings and, uh, you know, I I look within the URL itself or, you know, limit my searches to only certain kinds of top-level domains like government sites or or whatever. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would tell somebody who's really, you know, maybe a a novice or or not real sure about using a lot of different search tips is... don't, don't be afraid to experiment a little bit um, mm-hmm. use different search engines um, to, you know to widen your search uh, start vague and then narrow down. I think people uh, you know type in long right. you know novels in search engines but then <laughs> like,
0: and it doesn't really help you know, Wendy we no. Brandy we run out of time. Wendy Boswell look for her at about.com thank you. Well, this past week has also been a big week. We mentioned at the start of the program for a lot of uh, software companies, uh, Google releasing brand new phones, a tablet with a keyboard, and two Chromecasts, and Microsoft announcing that uh, this coming week, October the 6th, they're going to be releasing all sorts of stuff in New York. Apple has also followed up with a number of other developments, and one of them is a much waited for brand-new operating system, or it's kind of a... Version of the existing operating system. And to talk about that, Cal Carson is with us. And Cal, am I right that this is um, kind of a tweak to the existing operating system that
2: came up? Was it iOS 10.1? And this is not 10.2, am I right? Well, it was 10 point, uh, 10.4 was oh, the last version Lord, of... Me. 10.10.4, I should That's say. That's right. Was the last version of... Uh, of that, so now we move on. We take everything that was good about Yosemite, we grab some of the things that weren't quite so good and fix them. And then we put them all together, and we call it El Capitan. Yeah,
0: yeah. We were kind of teasing before the, during a break that we are moving deeper into the uh, national park there. And that's that's, that's true. Right. Yosemite yeah. being the bigger one, that's the national park. And then El, um, El Capitan is the um, incredible rock face that's yeah, there. The kind of
3: the signature of uh, right. when every, every photo that you see of Yosemite, the, that first photo is of El Capitan.
2: Right. It's big whopping rock. So
0: what are the yeah. So this is a brand new uh, download uh, and it this would be 10.10.
2: Point, 10 point... This is 10.11. Uh, oh, 10.11, okay. Yeah, straight out. That's just it. It's 10.11 and it's it's Look at it more as uh, polishing up Yosemite and then supercharging underneath the hood because a lot of stuff that makes this really cool is underneath the hood rather than a bunch of new features, although there are some new features in there. And it just, for me personally, it seems to run really nice. And it's, it's for lack of a I've heard this term before in the past, and I kind of embraced it but didn't, but this time I am. It's snappy. It actually runs pretty. You're really see a performance. You
3: save that term for only the very best. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> it, it, it is a holdback. So far, it's been really, really good. They've got some great features in it. Uh, one of them, uh, right off the bat. Is one that uh, Gary would be very comfortable with because uh, Microsoft had it on the Surface and it's split screen. Oh, so now you can split your screen in half and you can have or you know, or whatever percentage you want it to be. Ah. you can have one application running on one side and another application running on the other so side. I could have my mail
0: up there on one side, just kind of hanging out, yep. and then on the other side, with you know, with I, a, you a third know, of the screen on the other two thirds, then would be another whatever. Could, we well, just okay. went.
3: We just went over this last night with my wife, and she had ever used split screen before and I showed her how to drag and drop from one you know environment to the other and from one set of directories and she said oh this is really easy why didn't you teach me this before how long has this been out and I went it must have just come out (laughs) (laughs) or I'd have been in trouble
2: (laughs) yeah yeah so that's really handy and I'm starting to enjoy that a lot Uh, and when you said mail they did enhance to Mail. Uh, one of the really cool things that I like about Mail now is that Mail acts a lot like it does on iOS 9 on the phone. Mm-hmm. You can take two fingers and swipe to the right, and a little button will come up and say, do you want to mark this Mail as unread? You can take two pe- fingers and swipe it to the left, and it says, hey, do you want to take this Mail and toss it in the trash? Uh-huh. So it's got that type of interface. So it's kind of like you're, you're still sitting on your, your your portable device. Getting to look more and more at, alike. Yeah. So Very very convergence is really, really yeah, yeah, becoming yeah. heavy, just like it is on, on all the other platforms as well. Uh, the other thing I like about a mail is now you can tab an open piece of mail. Hmm. So if you open a piece of mail up, you can say, I want to tab it. It will store it like a tab in the browser at the bottom of the screen, oh. and you can go look at other things, and you can go back to that hunk of mail later on and take Boy, a Boy, that at. is really handy. Yeah. So wow, it's for really future cool. reference. Mm-hmm. Take a look at it. I think you'll like that particular thing. Uh, the oh, other, the one little cute thing they have on there, you ever be working on your computer and can't figure out where the heck that cursor is? Yes. And you start moving your finger Especially all around? Especially with
0: two screens. I, right. I have two screens that I use. Yeah. Well,
2: if you're moving your finger all around, you have to like look around and see where that sucker that is. Where does it flash by? With uh, El Capitan, you put two fingers on, the th- on your pad, or you take your mouse, you wiggle it, and when you wiggle it back and forth really fast, your little arrow or your cursor will grow be like three or four times the size oh, so no you can kidding. find it. <laughs> I love it. And then you let that. it go and it goes back to its normal size. Yeah, uh, I love it. so be, that's, by that's, the way,
0: that's, folks, the older you get, the more you'll
2: appreciate that. Yeah, no and kidding. The more you'll want to play with your cursor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, we also have a, a ability in the browser to pin tabs of browser windows so if you, like, have a, a window that you look at constantly during the day, let's say it's a, a window that has stock quotes and stuff like that. Okay, good. But you're looking at it in your browser as opposed to a sidebar. You can take and pin that window so it'll never close. Ah, uh-huh, that's what it means. And it'll okay. sit there and it'll constantly do updates. Oh, And, and then, it's then you just go over there and just click on it, and you can see it again, or you can click it, and it'll go away. Wow, that is very handy. By the way, does
0: that mean that there's a new version of Safari out?
2: Yes. Uh, Safari 9 came out. Now, you can load Safari 9 also on on Yosemite as well. Okay. Uh, But Safari 9 is out. And it has uh uh some of those features built into it, but uh the, the the features I'm talking about are actually all when you go to El Capitan. We're talking, by the
0: way, folks, about the upgrade to Apple's basic operating system, which is now called El Capitan and it's uh version OS X ten point eleven. I understand Kel that there's also a new typeface.
2: Is it that's available? Well that the new typeface is the San Francisco typeface that they came out with and it, it's got it's a nicer font. It's got a cleaner approach to it. Uh, you have to actually see it to really enjoy and it. And you
0: and I were looking at, at, at during the break at,
2: at one of the applications that probably use quite a
0: bit, which is the System Doctor, or the... Uh, uh, Disk Utility. Disk Utility, pardon yes. me. That has
2: gotten a real uh, overhaul. Yep, yep. It, 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 the... the the look of it is more of a like a menu. It's it's changed dramatically. It's it's got a a, a more consistent look to the rest of the operating system where before it looked more like it's one of the older version tools, and now it's 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 more it's more detailed to it. Mm-hmm. It tells you more about the particular volume that you're working on, the content, what's in it, and it's it's really really quite useful. Uh, is that happening with other applications
0: that are you know like basic to the operating system?
2: I've been digging around into it and And I've come across a couple that look like that okay. right off the top of my head. Okay. I can't remember because I don't use them that often but yeah uh it, it is going across the board on there uh spotlight oh yes. the search engine in it is just phenomenal um uh, much, much more improved, much faster it acts more like Siri. Mm. If you don't like Siri, you won't like (laughs) it. But it acts more like Siri. Uh, The only difference is that you just don't have the ability to speak to it. Now, when you say
0: it acts more like Siri, what does that mean?
2: In other words, like when you type in, well, you can type in more natural language. And it'll be able to search and it will find multiple things for you. If you type in the word weather, not only will it bring up your weather locally, Basically, if you got locations right, right. turned on, but it'll also find weather websites like WeatherBug, Weather.com, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. It will look around for anything that's in the news that's weather related, like the
0: hurricane, hurricane stuff Joaquin, like that. So it's like, yeah.
2: very, very, it's very broad in scope and what it can do. So it's really a, a nice. So you're getting
0: back in. You're getting back data that's not only on your hard drive, but you're also getting stuff from the web as well.
2: Correct lot to like it sounds like in the now it took you how long to download it uh it took me about uh, an hour to uh, it took me about two hours in total to download it and install it uh on my macbook pro and what would be the basic system you need to have in order to run it you know i didn't even look at that i just got excited and pumped it in there (laughs) but i'll 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 let folks know later on in the show exactly what they need to do we'll post that again First look at El
0: Capitan, the brand new operating system from Apple. Uh, step up from Yosemite, and it sounds like a right step, or a step certainly in the right direction. Thanks again to our engineers, Shannon Maley and David Schwartz. We'll be taking a break, and when we come back on the other side, we've got another hour coming up. And thanks to those of you who have used our email system, going to internetadvisor.net and using the contact us form there on the top of the bar, it's gotten your questions to us and we're going to be doing our very best to answer some of those questions coming up in hour number 2. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor show. To see the show notes for this program, visit our homepage, the internetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Welcome to our number two of the Internet Advisor. Thank you so much for joining us here. My name is Foster Brown, the producer and the co-host of the show. Gary Baker and Kel Carson are with me in studio. We're ready to answer questions that you folks have submitted to us through our email contact button, which is on our homepage at internetadvisor.net. During the sports season, very often we're preempted on WJR, our home state, our homepage, and we get in touch with you by email. Back to answer your questions in a moment. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and Cal Carson in here. We're getting ourselves tuned up and ready to start answering questions that you folks have submitted to us. And uh, I I started explaining that in the uh, intro to the hour. And let me expand a little bit on that. Um, When our program is preempted by sports, for instance, on our home station, which is WJR 760 AM in Detroit, which happens a fair amount during the fall and the winter months into the spring, um, because we're the home station for Michigan State University and their great sports teams. Uh, When that does happen, it doesn't mean that we're not continuing to answer your questions. And uh, people are starting to get the idea because during the week, we're picking up more uh, folks who are sending us emails with their questions. And that's exactly what we're looking for. So you can get in touch with us simply by going to internetadvisor.net. And then on the top of the page there, over to the right-hand side, you'll see something that says... Contact on the far right hand side. If you look at the toolbar that's on top of the page, there. If you click on that, it opens up um, an email form that allows you to put in your address information and then also put in your question. If you've got a problem with, uh, well, it could be almost anything under the sun. It could be um, your computer's giving you trouble or you're getting on the internet and you're not getting where you want to go or whatever the problem may be. We would love to take a crack at answering it. And then what happens is that during the week, Ed and Cal, Gary and I will take a look at those things and or some of the other folks like Shane, who helps us as well. And we'll see if we can line up some answers for you so that when we come to our weekend, what we do then, we'll take some of those questions that we've we've been asked and we'll try to lay out some of the answers here on the air as we're getting our program ready for the podcast. And that's what we do here in the second hour. So we'll be talking about those questions in just a moment.
3: You know, we had a great uh, opportunity this last week to go to um, the podcast studio of M2. And you and I had a lot of fun on Mike Brennan and Matt Rausch's uh, new podcast station.
0: That was a ball. M Squared TechCast, it's called. And he and uh, Matt... Um, Matt Rausch. Matt Roush, yep. And Mike Brennan were for many years kind of rivals in terms of covering the tech scene.
3: Yeah, uh, Matt had uh, the Great Lakes uh, Interactive, Great Lakes Technology Report, IT, IT right. Report. Right, right.
0: And, and Mike has been covering uh, technology and the internet on oh, all the, the, across the state for years. Right. For the yep. free press.
3: And... And then on his own, mytechnews.com, which right. is our partner here and right. has been for a number of years now. So, uh, But it was fun. I just... Uh, I, had, I was a I, ball. Yeah.
0: What's nice about that podcast format, it's a very free form. Yes. And when we're in here doing our radio program, we are... We have to act like radio hosts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to leave time for certain things open. Uh, and that just... You know, it, it's not the same kind of an atmosphere very free-flowing and a fascinating conversation
3: yeah well and you know the, they had things to nibble on and beer in the fridge and <laughs> you know, I'm going oh, okay. and diet, is, like, pop. Diet, diet Pop Diet Pop as well cars, yes. I, and, I I had, and I had water <laughs> I, yes, I exactly. But afterwards. What a great so, time.
2: So do we need to modify our program here? Uh, I don't think we can modify no, that beer. I, I don't think we need the beer in the fridge, obviously, <laughs> okay. but uh, I mean, a pack of Twinkies, I guess, would be <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm not sure which is worse for you.
0: <laughs> well, we mentioned Mike Brennan because uh, normally we have Mike on with us to uh, give a little uh, sampling of the headlines from MITech News, which, by the way, as Gary said, we partner with, and uh, we pr- partner with them to promote it because it's a great resource for letting you information, giving you information on technology, what's going on in the state of Michigan, yeah. on and entrepreneurship you know, and so many other things.
3: And he covers, uh, like so many other people are, this this month is uh, Cybersecurity Month. That's right. And so he's covering a lot of activity around cyber attacks. And obviously, mm-hmm. we know that T-Mobile now is uh, has just reported in the last uh, 24 hours that that they were hacked, and, you know, there are, the, um, there are two kinds of companies out there, I think. Those that have been hacked, and those that will get hacked again. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we all learn from oh. the first time. Right? And
0: I just found out this week, for instance, that 15 million of my friends on Patreon were hacked. Yeah, uh, Patreon is a site that you can use to support different artists who are out there, and I use it to support... Uh, um, Tom Merritt and uh, uh, a daily tech news uh, report that he has. I it's like five bucks a month that I contribute, but uh, fifteen million of us have our information out there. Unfortunately, now because of that. Who hasn't been hacked? Gary, you're right. Those have been hacked and those will be hacked again. Uh, some of the things that Mike covers would be talking about things like that, talking about, for instance, Google's release this last week of new phones, et cetera, and also as a company called Lamasoft, which closed out a uh, $50 million Series B round with Goldman Sachs. And Larry's talking about some of the companies here in our state of Michigan. That are really getting attention and support.
3: And, you know, we all are pretty interested in the maker movement and how much that has really grown up as a formal industry. We've been doing this for... Decades, right? But
0: oh, making uh, things people, here. Yep,
3: yeah. People uh, have been tinkering in the garages and making things, and and uh, but there's been a formal makerspace kind of movement lately, and especially downtown Ann Arbor, and and especially downtown Detroit, uh, as well as Tech Shop out in in Allen Park and a number of other places. So uh, he covers that scene very well, um, and he covers um, all the entrepreneurship as you were talking about. So uh, it's a great great uh, uh newsletter that you yep. get in your email you just have to sign up
0: and it's absolutely free simply go to internetadvisor.net or mitechnews.com and either place you can sign up mike is going to be with us in just a moment to talk about his upcoming m squared Techcast for monday october the 5th that's all coming up in just a moment as we begin to answer questions here on the second hour of the internet advisor Welcome back. It's the Internet Advisor, Hour number two, Foster Brown, Gary Baker, Cal Carson, and also joining us online is Mr. Mike Brennan from the uh, northwest coast of Michigan. How are you doing, Mike?
6: I'm doing great. I was in Traverse City yesterday, and I'm in Boyne City today, so uh, the the Pure Michigan tour or something,
0: right? I I bet it's a colorful tour up there right now, too.
6: Well, it's, uh, it's not quite changing yet, just a little bit, but boy, is it cold up here. I was just going to yeah. say windy,
0: too. I, <laughs> yeah, we got I that, saw that down. The,
3: we, the reports for up there.
0: Yeah, we got it down here as well. But you're up there for a kind of an interesting thing that I wanted you to talk about a little bit for our audience, and that is uh, you are uh, following the drones up north in Boyne.
6: Yeah, I think it's Northwestern uh, Michigan College, which is a community college in Traverse City. They've had an aviation program for about 50 years, which I wasn't aware of until a couple weeks ago. Mm. But now what they've done is they've added drone training as part of their curriculum. And for the last four or five years, they've been training drone pilots, uh, kind of 'Cause there's a, a you know, commercially drones are beginning to be used yes. to you know, look at pipelines or do inspections and, and there's a whole bunch of FAA regs that are required in order to be able to do that and you have to almost be a trained pilot. I mean you know, just like you get a pilot's license to fly a drone, so that's what these folks do. They put you in a two year program and when you come out the other side you can do this commercial drone flying.
3: You know, it's a little safer too, I think. Yeah. You know, you're never, yeah. you're never up That's there a pilot. wishing.
0: That's a yeah. pilot speaking, by the way. I've, I've been
3: I've been up there a few times wishing I were on the ground. Uh, and, and there's somebody else and was safely, flying.
6: it safely. And safely. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, quite, it's really cool. So I had a chance to interview the professors uh, yesterday because uh, I wanted to find out more about it. And I'll be writing about it here in the next week or two once they get all everything together. Well,
0: when you get that done, I would love to have some of the contacts that you've had up there and have them on the air with us to, because it's a fascinating area. Area. We talked many months ago. Matter of fact, it may be close to almost a year ago, with somebody who was in charge of a drone club here in Detroit, right.
3: out of the city uh, uh, city airport.
0: Yeah, or, or and Coleman they were Young's they were airport. doing some great things, like working with the fire department, right? Um, and which I thought was really fascinating, where they were going up and being able to look. At, f- at, for instance, buildings that were burning mm-hmm. to make sure where hotspots were and to not send firefighters into those areas because of extreme danger that couldn't be seen from the ground.
3: That's right. And, um, and uh, Dave Willett's son, I'm trying to remember, Justin Willett, I think was his name, um, also had a, a company that worked with Google doing drone photographs of very, very large buildings, but on the inside of those
0: buildings. That's right. Right? Yeah, for the inner space as well. So it's absolutely fascinating, Mike. We'll be sure to follow that up. You yeah, we were talking about your M.I. Uh, tech News uh, broadca- pardon me, uh, publication, which is now, by the way, folks, in two parts. On Wednesdays, you get a version of the M.I. Uh, uh, tech News, which is the podcast. And you have links to our podcast, IT and the D, and there's one from the Mobile Technology Group and also and from Square M-, M Tech Square. M- Square. Yeah, Square's TechCast, that's right. And also the now the Divas, I'm forgetting their, their new name.
6: Yeah, they got a new one. They've told me that we're going to have them on the show here in a couple weeks. They're kind of uh, low key right now while they rebrand themselves and get a few things done. I, I, my apologies to them. I can't remember what they called them. It's a variation of that. But, yeah. But that one was p- copyrighted or something. Apparently. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. we're, we're but there's a lot of resources, folks, that you can get absolutely free that come with your subscription to MITech News, and that's uh, on the, in the middle of the week. And then on Fridays, you get the headlines of things like, but uh, I mentioned this just beforehand, the Lamasoft closing a fifty million dollars Series B round with Goldman Sachs. And you were telling me something during the break that I didn't know. Oh, what that's uh, historic
6: yeah pro and I got uh fifty seven or fifty eight million uh earlier this year before they went public, but as far as we can tell, that's the second biggest uh round of investment ever in a Michigan technology company. And now Lamasov is valued at two hundred million dollars. They're making an uh-huh. acquisition in Europe here shortly, which is going to add another hundred employees. They've already got three hundred in Ann Arbor, and they're going to be adding more. It's it's a real great success story.
0: You know, Gary, for the over the years uh, we've had a twofold, and we're going to be, matter of fact, handling both of those in this hour. Which is uh, that purpose was to answer people's questions, That's which right. we'll be doing it yeah. just shortly with uh, Cal, and then the other part of that is that uh, promoting. Um,
3: tech companies here, tech in companies, southeastern Michigan.
0: Think of the development that's come in those oh my the eighteen, 18 years, years you and I have been doing this. It's <laughs> absolutely incredible.
3: We went from the worldwide what <laughs> yeah. to uh, to what we have today. You know, it's yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely.
0: And Mike, you've been chronicling that.
6: Yeah, it's really a renaissance right now. It's amazing. I mean, I've been covering this state for 20 years, and gosh, Gary goes back at least 50 years beyond oh, that. Right? Thanks, so.
3: thanks a lot, Mike.
0: <laughs> when gerbils ran the Internet. Yeah. Really. So, yeah. Uh,
6: so, I mean, it's just the last five or ten years, it's really, uh, I would say the last five years, it's really reached critical mass. Yeah, and all that stuff yeah. going on in downtown Detroit. And, yep. You know.
0: And and it's I remember one of the first ones we covered was out of um um Okemos, wasn't it? It was uh, just it was uh, oh come on the I'm
3: trying to help you but I don't know. They oh, had the, the clip. Uh, Mike help us. Well it's uh, Camtasia and That's right. Um, right. Snap It, uh um, Right snag it.
6: Oh right, 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 yeah, um, yeah. I was trying to see where you're going with this. So, so what was the
3: company out of Ochimus? we know, it's still there. I'm it's sorry. Doing, it's just, still it's but anyway, well. they anyway. were one
0: of the first ones to really boom. Well, develop. there were lots of them. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, they, they really kind of blossomed and went on the, the national scene, I think, in many ways. Caught our attention. We had yep. them in here talking about that. But boy, it has, as you said, Mike, it really bloomed. Hey, Mike, before we uh, let you go, let's also talk about the, what's coming up uh, on October the 5th. You've got an M-Squared TechCast coming up, and you've got uh, some really impressive folks who are going to be showing up in the studio for your broadcast.
6: Yeah, I'm Meredith Bronk, uh, who uh, just got named the CEO of OST, I all these acronyms, right, over in Grand. Rapids. It's a $180 million company. She's a... I can't think of too many other female CEOs in the state running major league tech companies like that. Of course, GM has Mary Barra, But that's a whole different, you know. I'm just talking about pure technology companies. Right, right. Mm -hmm. She'll she'll be on the show. Uh, Linda uh, uh, Deshant, who from MTAM, Mobile Technology Association of Michigan, will be on the show. And she's another prominent lady in technology. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so. uh, And and
3: online tech's uh, old friend,
6: Jan Ness. Yes, Jan Ness is going to be on the show. Uh, He's going to talk about his data centers. Uh, He's done really well there with those. I mean, uh, he. Took Gary's company, and it took a little further
0: than Gary's <laughs> yeah. did, and oh.
3: a lot further than I could have. So, thankfully, uh, he took over and uh, and bought me out, and, and he's done a great job.
0: And he is now the sole partner, sole CEO, sole yeah, CEO. Michael.
6: Yeah, Mike they, Klein left. Uh, back in uh, late August, I picked up wind of that and took me a while before Jan got back to me. He had to alert his customers. I was going to write a story. So, uh.
0: <laughs> didn't want them to be surprised.
6: <laughs> yes, he didn't want them to hear it from me first. Yeah. So. But they
0: have really expanded now. They're now uh, uh, not only data centers within Michigan, but one in Indianapolis. That's
3: right. Their fifth one's in Indianapolis, so, so they're, they're doing great.
0: They keep on branching yep. out, and they're doing a marvelous job of um, protecting data. They are really kind of the data vault.
6: Yeah, and we're on at 3 o'clock. The the show is at 3 o'clock Monday on podcastdetroit.com. It's live. And then we'll have the audio available for the, well, not for the Wednesday. It is... Dave's taking a little time to turn it around, so mm-hmm. but we'll have that we'll have the audio ready as soon as possible. But I, I post those in the Wednesday newsletter. Mm-hmm. But
0: it's it's really kind of neat uh, having been there as Gary and I were guest yours last week uh, to to see the interaction between you and uh, Matt Roush. Yeah, uh, we loved it. Two we, veterans. You
3: can invite us back. We'll come anytime.
0: Yes, anytime Absolutely. you'd like.
3: <laughs> absolutely.
0: Well, Mike, thanks so much. Mike Brennan, who is the editor of MITech News, and it's just becoming a bigger and bigger source for technology news about yeah, what's yeah. going on in our state. And it's absolutely free to you folks. Simply go to internetadvisor.net and scroll down the page, and you can click and subscribe there next to Mike's smiling face and the headlines from this week. And then you can also uh, go to MITechnews.com and subscribe there, and you'll get absolutely free a rich resource for what's going on in the state of Michigan in terms of technology. Mike, thanks a million. All right. Huddle. you later. Huddle down there in uh, Boyne City. Uh, he's checking out the drones, and we'll be having that follow-up in just a moment as well. Coming back, Cal's going to be talking about... Uh, finding some answers to folks who are running Windows 10 Home Edition and having some problems, and also somebody who's got an Air card with Verizon that mysteriously seems to be racking up some pretty heavy bills. All that's coming up in just a moment when we return to answer your questions on the Internet Advisor. Thank you so much for uh, downloading the podcast and listening to it here in hour number two, Foster Brown, Gary Baker and Cal Carson. And uh, if you are one of our affiliates that gets to hear both of the hours, congratulations, (laughs) not many of you. But I'm delighted to be able to share the second hour with you as well. And this is where we're answering some questions that you folks have supplied us with through our email link, and that is at internetadvisor.net. Go to the contact form and send your questions in there. By the way, congratulations to Eric Dorsch and his brand new bride, Aaron. But well, not that he had one beforehand. I should say this carefully. Congratulations, Eric, to you and your bride, Aaron. They were married today. It's now Eric and Aaron Dorsch. Congratulations to him, our engineer.
2: And David Schwartz got a bit of a kick out of that. He's our engineer today. I mean, you getting hooked? You know what I've done? What I've noticed on this show is that we do re- internet stuff really well, but when it comes to marriage, mar- marital things, we're just all over the
0: board with that. We just got to gracefully stay away from it. Okay, Cal, right. since you tuned in, let's see if we can tackle Larry Field's question. Here's he said. I'm running Windows 10 Home Edition, but my problem occurred when I ran Windows 7 as well. Hmm. My hope was when I went to Windows 10 that it would correct the problem but it didn't. Apparently this is a problem he was having Windows 7, if I'm understanding him correctly. I'm using an HP Pavilion DV7 notebook PC. It's got 8 gigabytes of RAM, a 64-bit 60 operating system and it's running an AMD processor, a quad 4 processor with 1.8 gigahertz of speed on it. Okay, here's the issue. My computer overall works fantastically. It should. That's a nice machine. Except for this problem. I constantly get Adobe Flash plugin has crashed. When I go to Adobe, it says I'm using the most current version. Definitely a problem when I try to watch, for instance, a TV show... Um, or watch ESPN. dot com or NBC.com, dot com. One of those sites that has, um, you know, video in it that uses Flash.
2: What can we do to help him? No, he's using Internet Explorer for this. Is that correct? I'm going to guess that that's the case. Yes. Yeah. Uh, probably the first thing I would do is I would first go in and clear Internet Explorer its cache. Temporary Internet Files, those sort of things, which he can go to, if I'm not mistaken, he clicks on the little gear on the right-hand side, Mm -hmm. go down to Internet Options, and then uh, when it brings up that screen, then go to the tab, I believe it's Advanced, maybe, and then uh, select uh, Clear Temporary Internet Files and that sort of thing, and it'll go through and clear all those out. After he does that, then I would close that panel up, close up Internet Explorer, and then open it up again. And then that way, it those plugins will be reloaded in there properly, as far as uh, I can see. Okay, it may be because it's still holding on to an older plugin, mm. and it's not being able to get, let the newer plugin get through. That would be my first first choice Is, to try it, that.
0: One of those tabs, restore defaults. Am I correct that when you're in that uh, that? Tab? Well, the
2: one uh, in the advanced one, uh, all the way yeah. in down on the bottom, I believe right. it, you can restore to factory defaults or whatever it is for that particular thing. I didn't want him to go that far because oh, okay. I don't want him to wipe out things like he may have cookies he might want to keep, he may have favorite, uh. Uh, you know information there he may want to keep, but temporary internet files, yeah, they can go, those sort of things.
0: Okay, good. I wanted to ask that question because in the past we have often said you know, hit that restore to Well, to kind That's of second that or third or fourth on the list, yeah. right? Don't do it initially. No, and, and Cal's point is a very good one because you have, you know, cookies and things like that in there as well. The
2: second thing he can do is one of the things that you guys have talked about for years and years and years on the show, and that is to uh, load a browser like Chrome or Firefox right. and see if he gets the same results in those browsers as well. If he gets the same result, then there's definitely something wrong with the plugin. But if he doesn't get the same result and it works, in Chrome or Firefox, then the chances are he needs to clean out his IE.
0: Okay, so uh, we've often mentioned that you or just uh, you know avert to that is that. It's a good idea to have that second browser on there. Why, say, if my one browser's working well, why do that? Because you can use it for troubleshooting. Exactly. You may never use it again. It could be Opera. It could be uh, uh, Firefox. It could be almost anything. And the idea is you got it there to say, let's see if the same thing happens when I go over to this particular plugin.
2: Exactly. Okay. It's a great troubleshooting tool, just like you said.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So, Larry Fields, we hope that that helps you out, and thank you very much for using the comments section. Uh, by the way, you should mention uh, that when you go to our homepage, internetadvisor.net, you'll see, um, if you click, for instance, click on podcast, and then you click on one of our podcasts, that if you go to the very bottom of the page and uh, you scroll all the way down, you'll see an open comment section. And there, you can simply type in whatever you have a question about. And that's what Larry used. And that's another great way of getting a question to us. Okay, so let's move on to the next question we had. And this was from Fred Higgins. And um, this is kind of an interesting one because he's asking a question about air card usage. Uh, Back in September was the second month that we've had extreme usage reported on our Verizon air card. We've had an air card for over 15 years, and um, seldom approached our five gigabyte usage limit. The first month, that was back in July, I assumed that we had overused the air card and exceeded that five, uh, five gigabyte a month limit. This month, which was September, I called Verizon because our five gigabyte was reached in just two weeks. Verizon said that we had used 3.4 gigabytes between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. on 922. That's in one day they had used 3.4 gigabytes. That's a lot. And he just says, no way. Um, let's see. Uh, they claim that because we leave our computer on all the time, as we always did, uh, a larger update could have occurred during that time. It never happened over the years. Verizon said that we should always turn our computer off when not in use. Since when? I think uh, Gary and other IA people leave their computers on. I certainly do. Uh, Mine's on pretty much all the time.
3: I just... So you can close mine and put it in my bag. I don't even turn yeah, it off when right. I transport it.
0: Right, right. and then yeah. sometimes if you have a desktop home, we'd leave it on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, he says, the only unusual thing that happened, maybe on nine twenty-two that one date, was that my computer was connected to a site with no activity for a few hours. Now, that's interesting. Um, if connected to a site but no downloading, uploading, or activity takes place, will it register gigabytes being used? And that's a... I don't think so. Um... Uh this has us scratching our heads and looking for any suggestions that
2: you can provide. All right, Cal. You know something else just popped in my head while you were telling me that? You said nine twenty two, right? When did they release Windows ten for everybody? Oh, was it nine twenty two? It was That's in a, September, wasn't it? Yes, it was in September. But I th-
0: thought
3: it, it was, was a, it earlier. I thought it was earlier.
2: Yeah, but everybody didn't get it at the same time. It comes yeah, at yep, different times right. for everybody, you're right? right? Yeah. I wonder if that's what happened. And you know, it was a, a three gigabyte download. I wonder. I don't know. That's one speculation. If if not that, then the, the, the second one that would pop in my mind is maybe they don't have their air card secured and someone else was tapping into it and using it but I would doubt that they would only do it that one time and not do it again. Normally, when kids find a gold mine, they just <laughs> start mining Until <laughs> somebody stops them, right. Exactly, so I don't think it's that. And then uh, my next thought would be, I wonder if they, they have uh, other people in the household, uh, you know, children, that may have iPhones or Android phones and they're streaming video, and they may have connected to the hotspot and they're streaming video across it. That particular day and chewed up a lot of it that way too. But even a couple of gigabytes, though, that's a lot of video to watch.
3: Also, it's something could be just going, you know, going crazy. Keep going back and asking for a file, another file, another file, another file, and and it could have been just a, um, you know, some. You know, we see that on the uh, on phones quite a bit where, you know, an app runs wild and you have to close it and start it back up again.
2: Yeah, right? so it, it could be that as well, too. Like I was going to say it could be a virus, but viruses only don't work for one day and just say, no, we're yeah. not going to do anymore. <laughs> thank,
3: thank you. We've got all we want. Yeah, right? yeah no. <laughs> we're we're done here.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, the more and more I look at this and the more and more I think about it, if it was in September, for some reason or another, I think it might have been that Windows update may have slid it down there.
0: You know, that... I. I was just trying to Google for that myself. When was Windows 10
2: launched? Well, but
3: it won't matter when it's launched. It was in August, I believe. But uh, it's at all different times. Yeah, but
2: it was coming to people at all different times. Everybody didn't get it at the same time. July 29th.
0: Oh, July 29th. Was when
2: it started rolling out. Yeah.
0: But, as you said, it didn't get to everybody at the same time. No. And that is suspiciously close to the size of the download for Windows 10. Mm -hmm. 3.8. It's interesting, I had a similar problem with my AT&T download of there being one day when suddenly there was too much. Um, You know, one of the things I want to talk about, Cal, when we come back um, are ways that on our iPhones and some other devices we have of being able to tell how much data the apps are using. Uh, If you have an Android phone, that's been pretty available to you for a long time iOS devices, not so much. When we come back, by the way, we have a phone call. And it's from Charlene in Detroit. We'll get to her in just a second, too. Thanks so much for joining us this week. By the way, this coming week, October the 10th, is going to be a special one for us. We are going to be having, we'll be on live on WJR, 760 AM, our home station in Detroit uh, for two and a half hours before the Michigan State University game, which is going to be an evening game coming up. So we got lots planned for that. It's going to be a great show. And we'll, we'll
2: be on live. And you know what I'm going to do that day? I'm going to put my car in the driveway backwards. I'm going to put down a tailgate. I'm going to put my AM radio radio. <laughs> <laughs> right on top the tailgate, break out a big barbecue grill, and I'm going to just have a ball.
0: Uh, they have the, our own little tailgate party there. I love it. Uh, by the way, uh, Cal, just before we closed out, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, our, one of our callers had a problem with the Verizon Air car. And uh, their question was, you know, why would it suddenly jump up in usage? And one of the things I wanted to talk about with uh, you is for people who use iPhones, there is a way. Now, with you're on Android, there has been for a long time a way of telling how much each application is drawing in terms of data. And that's improved with uh, iPhones, mm-hmm. And now with the uh, the new version of iOS 9.2, which is the most recent update. 9.0.2. Pardon me, 9.0.2. Thank you for that. Um, you have a way of telling there as well oh, how sure. much the apps are using.
2: Yeah, if you go into uh, Settings, and in Settings Select Cellular, And in cellular, you you scroll all the way, almost to the bottom of all the categories, and you'll see one that says, use cellular data for. And then every one of the applications that use cellular data will be listed there in alphabetical order. And underneath each one of their names, you will see the amount of data that it's used for that particular cellular period. Mm -hmm. And that'll give you an idea of what might be chewing up a lot and what may not be chewing up a lot. Now, in this particular case, with his air card, that's not going to be. That's not going to have a direct correlation because the air card right. and the phone would be using Wi-Fi.
0: Right. Exactly. So, but, I, I mentioned it though for people who are suddenly wondering why am I using so much data. This is a way, if you have an iPhone, of being able to tell that kind of thing.
3: Or, or the Google does the same thing. Yeah, Android, exactly. Google, uh, Android does also the does thing. the
0: same thing. Okay, we have somebody who is on the phone for us, and we're going to get to her right now. As a matter of fact, if we can get uh, our engineers talking with her, we'll get her to hang on to the phone because we're going to be stepping over and talking with her. Every now and then, we get to talk to some of our listeners out there and help them to solve some of their problems Hi, Charlene. We were wanting anxiously to be able to talk to you. I'm so delighted we've been able to get to do that.
1: Yeah. I'm delighted to talk to you also.
0: Okay. What is your question?
1: Well, my computer just does weird stuff on its own. It's like it has a brain of its own. (laughs) And one day I opened up uh, Word, and you know that little blinking insert point? Yes. Instead of being like maybe an inch from the top or the bottom, it's at the very top, and it will go down to the very bottom. You know, it's like there's no like you know, margin there, and I can't figure out what happened or how to correct it. I've been trying all sorts of things, and I, I don't, I don't understand why it's doing it or how I can correct it.
0: So your mouse, if I'm understanding you correctly, Shana, your your mouse is doing some strange things. It's either jumping to the top of a page in a word document or to the bottom of it, but it can't. It can't work in between? Is that what you're saying?
1: No, no. It's like when I open up Word, the yeah. little insert point, that yes. little blinking line, Yes. it's up at the top. Right. Very top. And then as you go down, instead of leaving about an inch margin on the bottom and skipping to the next page, it goes to, to right to the very bottom and then right to the very top of the next page. Mm-hmm. Instead of leaving a margin space at the top and a margin space at the bottom.
3: Oh, I got you. So that's just a view setting.
1: Is that what that
5: is?
3: Yeah. So if you go in, I believe. Mm-hmm. So if you go into, um, you know, across the top in Word, mm-hmm. you have what they call a ribbon, and that yeah. ribbon, um, you'll see that uh, the ribbon. There's one of the category drop-down categories is view, um, right. and you have a read mode, a print mode, a web layout. It might be um, that you're, you you're expecting maybe a print mode or a read mode maybe and and uh it's it's set differently are you in front of it now
1: yeah
3: now, um try it the print mode is the one i think you're probably most yeah, familiar right.
1: with yeah i clicked on it still doing it it didn't change the the position of the insert point at all
3: mm-hmm. so if you go to home for instance um, when you look at the size of the font, you'll see the type of the font and the, the size of the font on the ribbon? Yeah. And what is that type font? To what what point it should it's be? It's
1: a Calibri 11 point.
3: Okay, good. So that's what it should be. Sometimes that's jumped up and people don't realize it, and they've got it set for 50 something, and, wondering, a, and guys, it becomes big, I, and that, reason, that was the reason I asked.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the things I uh, that I asked uh, before was, uh, maybe this has something to do with the mouse, uh, one of the folks who, who lives in the building that we lived in um, was having a terrible time, could not get the mouse to do whatever they wanted, and discovered that it was actually the physical mouse that had gone bad. And oh. that um, when they replaced the mouse, then suddenly she got control once again of being able to place it wherever she wanted it. so d- do you use an external mouse? Yes. Okay. And is it, is it plugged into your computer? Yes. Okay. What? How old is your computer?
1: Um, boy, let me think. Is it, let's say, is it more
0: than five years old?
1: Yes, it's more okay. than five years
0: old. And so you've had that mouse around for a good long time?
1: Yeah, maybe I should try a different mouse and see what happens.
0: Well, have you ever tried cleaning out the mouse? I'm. There's a possibility now that Jerry. This most goes back are, a long way. Most of them are optical today. So yeah. You don't yeah, do that.
1: mine's. A, this is an optical mouse.
0: Okay. 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 Good. I wanted to check um, that out just in case. Yeah, and you could also
3: check with one of the other pointing devices or borrow a mouse from somebody uh, just to check it out. We're trying to eliminate the the potential problems.
0: Now, is this a desktop computer or is it a laptop? Laptop. It's a laptop. Okay, so you have a... Go
2: ahead, Callum. How about just disconnect the mouse from it and try using just the trackpad on the laptop and see if that, it does the same thing?
1: Okay, let me close this out now and see if I reopen it, if it, if it does it the right way.
0: And uh, But unplug the mouse. Yep, I did. Okay.
1: Okay, let's see what happens here.
0: do 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 do
1: do it, it has margins, like, on the sides, but it has no margin along the top.
2: Oh, have you, how about, uh, why not, I don't have a Windows machine in front of me, is there, like, view and then turn off rulers?
5: View.
2: Because okay. she says there's margins on the side. Another
1: way of handling... Oh, it has ruler on. Okay, let me check. Let me it take r- that off. Nope, didn't check. Yeah, nope. The, the mouse uh, insert point is still at the very top.
0: One of the things that uh, our engineer David suggested, and I think it's a good one, I've had this too, is if you go into the uh, the top up there to line spacing, you know what I'm talking about? Line and paragraph spacing. It's got like uh, two arrows in it pointing head to head. Do you, can you see that on top of the ribbon?
1: Is that in the home?
0: If, yeah, go to Home, and then go along to uh, the uh, Line Spacing. And if you click on that, and then it says Line page. Spacing Options at the bottom. And we can talk a little bit more with you about this all off-
1: Yeah, I tried that. I couldn't get it to do anything. I, I, I did the Add a Space before and after, paragraph in it, and the Line Spacing Options, and it just didn't seem to help. Okay, and,
3: and Page Setup under Layout.
1: Page Setup, okay, I can try that.
3: Well, there's a, we're going to talk with you offline we're, about we're gonna this. We're going to have you go yeah. back to defaults is what we're going to end yeah. up having you do. We're going to suggest <laughs>
0: exactly that you go back to the default settings, and we'll talk a little bit with you about that offline. We can also maybe post some of that information for you. But yes. so, thank you very much for calling us. Hang on the phone, okay? We'll talk to you in just a minute, all right?
4: Okay.
0: Thank you. Hi, this is Foster Brown with a special addition to the podcast. We ran out of time on the air in answering our last caller, Charlene's question, which may have left some of you wondering what the solution was to her problem with Microsoft Word Documents. Cal Carson did some quick research and found the problem our caller had described in a Microsoft help forum. Best of all, he found a Mr. Fix-It solution, which is a special series of actions that Microsoft performs for you automatically after you download the Mr. Fix-It program for the particular problem. Rather than following complex commands, you just right-click on the Mr. Fixit file on the Microsoft Help site, download it to your computer, click on it, and voila, the solution is made for you. It doesn't get much easier than that. If you've been having the same problem that Charlene was describing with Microsoft Word and margins, visit our show notes for this podcast on our homepage. Under the notes for our two listener question and answer, we posted the solution that Microsoft gave our listener. Just click on the link, and you'll be taken to the Microsoft help page with that solution. Hope this helps. And again, for those of you who uh, enjoy our program, on a regular basis, you can send us your questions by going to internetadvisor.net and on the Contact Us button, click on there and send us the information. Next week, two and a half hours. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show. Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.